And welcome back to Book of the Year, our weekly podcast series in which we study, continue to study the details of Avraham's life. My name is Yitzchak Shalom, and uh, hopefully soon we will be returning to the warm and cozy environs of our young Israel century city, where this shiur has been going on now for eight years. Uh, but as we continue to abide by COVID restrictions, the shiur continues to be broadcast in advance of Shabbat. Uh, we finally concluded our study of the Akedah, and by no means and no stretch of the imagination did we mine all of the depths, or even nearly close to the depths, of that fabulous story, uh, but we are moving on. Uh, and we're going to take a look at a very short piece, which seems quite anticlimactic after the Akedah, and that is the birth announcement uh, which appears at the end. So t- take a look at the Psukim, and I linked the last Pasuk of the Akedah so we get a sense of continuity, and the next two Psukim in the Torah, although you could see that they are separated as a parashat. So, Vayashav Avraham al Ne'arav, Vayakum Shava, Vayeshav Avraham Be'er Shava. And that's the return to Be'er Shava, and Avraham seems to stay in Be'er Shava after the Akedah. And then in a new parasha Ptucha, separate paragraph, and the, the translation is underneath. Now we're going to attend to that phrase a little bit. What does it mean? Behold, Milka also had sons uh, to Nahor. And something to keep in mind is that Avraham and Nahor seem to be roughly the same age. I mean, Avraham seems to be older, but not by much. And they both got married seemingly at the same time. And if we're only now getting news that Nahor has had children with Milcah, it's possible, as some Rishonim suggest, that Milcah also did not have children until later in life. But unlike Sarah, who had one, she had many. Now these names sound quite random and uninteresting to us, except that we will find that they may be of more interest uh, than that, and there may be an inherent value uh, and informational uh, significance to having these names presented here and being told that they are part of this family. We'll find out about that. And we end up with Bituel. Now, does that mean that Bituel is son number eight in this family? Or is he put there in order to go to the next Pasuk, which I highlighted, Uvtuel Yalad et Rivka. Bituel gave birth to Rivka. Now, that's not really true. Bituel's wife, whose name we will never find out, is the one who gave birth to Rivka. But we don't care about her. She's not listed here. And we're going to talk about that. And the main focus of this year is going to be who gets listed in a genealogy, and specifically the problem with women, as we will see. So we, we take a look at this list, and we see that, uh, that Nahor and Milcah had children. How many children did they have? I don't honestly know. I know that they had eight sons, or at least, I know they had at least eight sons, because there are eight sons that are listed here. They might have also had daughters. I know that these these sons had sons. After all, Kmuel is called Avi Aram, so he's the father of a whole nation. And uh, and I know that Betuel had Rivka. Did Betuel have other children? Well, we certainly know that Betuel also had Lavan. We'll find out, but he's not listed here. So that that sets us up for trying to determine who is listed and why are they listed in a genealogy. 
Shmona ele yalda milkal rachor achi Avraham. And now to close off this passage of four psukim, um, that starts with milka had children the rachor achicha shmona ele yalda milkal the rachor achi Avraham. And that's the text summarizing, because what we saw in pasuk chaf was the word, the announcement that was given to Avram, your brother Nachor has kids. And now the text, the narrative is, the narrative is saying, and these eight were born to Nachor, the brother of Avraham. Nachor had a concubine, her name is Reumah. She also had four sons. And again, there may be other children there. These are the four, four that are mentioned. Why? Again, we'll have to see. And then immediately after that, in the next parasha, which is a parasha stuma, which means in a Sefer Torah, it's on the same line, uh, just with a, a space of a few letters, and this, of course, is the death of Sarah. I just put it in there so that you would see the continuity, and it's also there in the English. Now, first thing I'd like to point us to is a comment by Sadia Gaon. It's actually a series of comments by Sadia Gaon uh, about this little passage and the significance of the passage. Uh, Sadia Gaon, who passed away in 942, was maybe, we could call him the earliest uh, comprehensive commentator on Tanakh uh, in, in our circles. Now notice that he says it detailed the names of the sons for several things. In other words, Rav just seems to say that we would have been satisfied had it only said that um, that uh, Milcah had kids, and one of those kids is Betuel, and Betuel has Rivka because that's important. Why list all the names? He says there's several reasons. Reason number one. So we'll know that Nachor had 12 sons. And by the way, Now notice his wording. Very interesting. It says, corresponding to, or on balance with, the 12 tribes that will be born to Avraham through Yaakov. In other words, it's as if to say that Avraham really was supposed to be the father of 12 sons, because he's supposed to be a great nation. And that does happen with his brother Nachor. But in the case of Avram, it's delayed for two generations till Yaakov. And just like uh, with Yaakov's sons, eight are born of his free wives, Leah, six, and Rachel, two. Kach Ela, same thing here. Eight of them are born of Milkah. And the four are born of the Pelegesh. So it's the same ratio of two to one. It's the same total number of sons, 12. And of course, you notice that Dinah is not part of this Cheshbon. And again, Betuel may have had sisters. We don't hear about them. All right, and we're going we're gonna to investigate that. He says the second reason is, And this is something that a number of Rishonim point out, is this parsha is there as foreshadowing, because the next thing that's going to happen is, again, the death of Sarah, the purchase of Machpelah, the burial of Sarah, and then afterwards will be the marriage of Yitzchak to Rivka. So in a foreshadow that, Rivka is introduced here. Our series this year is going to end 
with the passing of Avraham, we're going to skip the story of Yitzchak and Rivkan. We'll pick it up that next year as we continue. Um, but we're going to skip to the to the passing of Avraham uh, at the end of Parshat Chaye Sarah. But be aware that that is a major story. It's a very significant story. <clears throat> and then third, now this opens up the door to a uh, a very complex issue. The most challenging book in Tanakh, both linguistically and as far as its ideas go, its profundity goes, is the book of Eov, the book of Job. And Job is a story about a man who is wealthy, who is, is very observant, who is very fear, fear, fearing of God. And due to what seems to be a dare that Satan presents to God, God allows Satan to hurt Eov and bring him near the uh, point of death, but not to kill him, and to see if Eov will curse God as a result. And the rest of the book, except for the very end of the last chapter, the end of the last chapter, is a dialogue, actually a polylogue, if you will, between Eov and three friends, and then a fourth friend who shows up, and then God. And that is about God's justice in the world. The question is, who is this Eov? His character doesn't seem to be Jewish. Uh, there's no uh, Eretz Yisraeli or tribal affiliation. There's no mention of any rituals that he's engaged in. Who is this Eov? When does he even live? And so Chazal make lots of suggestions about when he may have lived, including the suggestion that he never lived. And then Eov, Mashalhu, Eov never happened. He's a parable. In other words, the story of Eov is set up in order to have the philosophic musings about theodicy, about God's justice in the world, and essentially when uh, a good God and a world that includes evil. However, in the opening of, e- of the book of Eov, we're told that Ish Be'eretz Utz V'Eov Shema. There was a man who lived in the land of Utz. And now we find out who Utz is because Utz is the eldest son of Nahor. So we put those two together and that's Sadia's approach. Many reject that approach and say that the Utz of the land where Eov is from is not necessarily connected to the Utz here. Maybe the Utz here was named after that land. Who knows? Uh, and also in the book of Eov, I mentioned he has three friends, uh, Eliphaz and Sofar and Bildad, and then Elihu ben Berechel comes to speak and chastise all of them. What family is he from? There he's introduced as somebody mimishpachat Ram. And he says, mishpachat Avram. He says, mishpachat Ram, which is an Eov, is really short for the family of Avram, biashmatat Av, leaving the word Av off. Kamur ishimini binyamini, just like we say ishimini for somebody from Benyamin, taking off Ben. Okomro shalman batarbel, which is shalman eser, right? We take off the eser. In other words, he's saying that sometimes parts of a name will disappear. It's the same thing. Ram is short for Avram. And therefore, Elihu ben Brechel is from this family. Okay, so Rav Sadia goes to great pains to find justify why this entire parsha is in the Torah at all and why it's presented with so much detail. And he points out several things that don't immediately click as being significant. 
So, so he says, if you look later in biblical history, from a little bit later in Breshit, all the way to Eov, whenever that happened, you will find that the information presented to us here seems to lay the groundwork for some of the later stories. Okay, but the most critical story, of course, is the story of the marriage of Rivka to Yitzchak, and that's what's foreshadowed here. Now remember, in last week's Shiur, we spoke about the timing and the age and the Midrashic uh, proposal that Rivka was born at the moment of the Akedah, and that's why these two parashot are next to each other, and thus, however younger Rivka is, then Yitzchak will help determine uh, how old Yitzchak was at the Akedah. Okay? Um, Rabbi Yosef Bechor Shor, student of Rabbeinu Tam, uh, late 12th century in, uh, in, in, in France, has the following comment. I mentioned this when reading the parasha. Now, this is a more extreme position than that taken by, let's say, Radak. But the Bechor Shor says, it seems that Milka was also barren and then was remembered by God. Because of the phrasing, Yalda Milka Gamhi, she also had kids. And they gave the news to Avraham, oh, not only did your Sarah have a miraculous kid, but Milka has had a bunch of miraculous kids after being barren. And that's why, once Avraham got this message, that's why he sent the servant to Haran to get a wife for Yitzchak, because he heard about it. So, in other words, this birth announcement is important on two levels. It's important, first of all, to tell us that a similar fate is taking place in Haran to Avram's brother and in that family, a wife who he stayed with all those years. We've spoken about that number of times in the case of Avram and Sarah, and that she never had kids, and then finally in her old age had a bunch of kids, and also to inform us that they had sons and daughters. Look at the language of the Bechor Shor, Banim Uvanot, and of course we only hear about one daughter, but that's what we're going to get to. And therefore he knew that there was family there that was appropriate in some sense as a marriage partner for Yitzchak, and that's why he sent him. Okay, I'd like to take a look at another genealogy, another listing of children. Perhaps the most famous one in Breshit, although there are quite a number of them, both at the end of Parshat Breshit and the end of Parshat Noach table of nations, but there is a famous one towards the end of the book of the of Breshit, and we're going to look at that as sort of, a, a, a look at that as a background against which to judge our parasha. And this is the story of Yaakov's family coming down to Mitzrayim. We won't through, read all through the, all the details, but look at Pasuk Chet. That's the list. But for one minute, look back at Pasuk Zion. In the listing who came with him, it says, Banav uvne vanavito, his sons and his sons' sons with him, binotav uvnot banav, his daughters and the daughters of his sons, which sounds like he's got some sons. Those sons have some sons. He's got some daughters, and those daughters uh, and the daughters of his sons come. There is no daughters of daughters mentioned here. We'll have to see why that is. Come to, to Mitzrayim. And then, this is when Yaakov goes down, famine, to join Yosef in Mitzrayim and end up living the rest of his life there. 
And then we have this list, and then we have Reuven and his four sons, Shimon and his group of sons, Levi and his three sons, Yehuda and his five sons, minus two, the three sons, Yisachar and his, three, and his four sons, etc., etc. Please take a look at Pasuk Tedvav, Eleb and Eleah, and all of them are sons and grandsons, and Dina is also mentioned. Now, look at the wording. The, the amount of sons and daughters he has is 33. But daughters, there's only one girl mentioned here. And then we see, A few children of Asher, including... Their sister, Serach, meaning the daughter of Asher. Okay, and then we have the rest of the list, and I guess it's all boys. Now, what's the final uh, piece here? Is the famous uh, mathematical problem, which is in Pasuk, Chaf, Vav, And that might be a key to what we're doing here. All the people that came with Yaakov who were the uh, fruit of his, his uh, loins, meaning his own children, biological children, besides the wives of the sons of Yaakov, which means Reuven's wife is not counted, Shimon's wife is not counted, kol nefesh shishim vashesh, there's 66 of them. Now, Yosef is in Yitzrayim with Ephraim and Manasseh, and then we say, so that's 70. Now, how does 66 and 3 become 70? That's a problem. And the number 70, which is listed here, becomes prominent in Sefer Dvarim in Source 4. Moshe says to Bnei Yisrael, look at the great miracles Hashem has done with you. You came down with 70, and now you're numerous. Number 70, right? Take a look in Source 6. We have a pasuk at the, near the beginning of Ha'azinu. When God gave the, the, the nations of the world their inheritance, set up the boundaries of the, of the nations, the Mispar B'nai Yisrael, according to the number of B'nai Yisrael. And, and if you look at the table of nations in Noach, you count 70 nations. 70 B'nai Yisrael, 70 nations, the numbers are significant, tons of Midrashic material on this. But if we look back at the list of Yaakov's family coming down, we know it's way more than 70 because the text itself tells us we're not counting the wives. So that means that there are at least... Uh, 12, uh, 11 more people here, besides Asnat, who's already in Egypt, which is the wives of these men. And that's assuming they all had one wife. Maybe they had more wives. And besides that, there is Yaakov's wives, but we assume that they're all passed on. Leah was already buried. Rachel was long ago dead. Leah was already buried in Matamach so we can assume that Pilah and Zopah maybe are no longer alive. But there are other women here, and they're not counted. We have a different problem, which is in Pasuk, in Source 5. After, going back a little bit in time, after Yosef turns up missing, and the coat is brought to Yaakov, and Yaakov is convinced that Yosef is dead, he is mourning. All of his sons and all of his daughters got up to try to comfort him, and he didn't accept comfort. What daughters? Eiffel daughters. You want to tell me Dina? Dina is a daughter, a single daughter. So Rashi quotes the Midrash on the spot that says 
that a person is comfortable calling his daughter-in-law daughter, and therefore it refers to the daughters-in-law, maybe, but benotav means daughters-in-law. We would say kalotav, daughters-in-law. Benotav is daughters. So what does it mean? And I listed some questions here. What is the, the statistical likelihood that Yaakov has 70 members in his bloodline? And by the way, we still have to find number 70 in there. That 68 are male. In other words, he has 13 kids and only one's a girl. Well, that could happen. And then he has over 50 grandchildren, only one girl out of the grandchildren, and the rest are all boys. What are the, what's the likelihood? Right? And, I'm, and in the other questions we mentioned here, uh, that there is an explicit mention of binotav, for instance, in our list, and also in the, those who get up to comfort Yaakov. And the text in our list here explicitly says we're not counting the wives of Bnei Yaakov. Now, they're not part of the bloodline anyways. Why make that mention? All right. So parenthetically, as far as the number 70 goes here, uh, the Midrash famously says that, um, that uh, the, the, um, the, the number 70 is Yocheved. In other words, Yocheved is daughter of Levi. Levi has three sons. And then he has Yocheved, and Yocheved is born right at the point of coming in. So she's not really part of the immigration group. But she does. But in in the final account, there's seventy that are that are brought in there. Okay, there's another opinion. And if you look very carefully at the psukim, and this is the position that the Ibn Ezra uh, adopts, the psukim say that there's sixty six who come down of Yaakov's descendants. The entire household is seventy. So the three, which is Yosef, Ephraim, and Asher. And now the entire whole household includes Yaakov himself. He's number 70. Very simple. Um, part of the Ibn Ezra's difficulty with this is that if Am Yisrael really was in Egypt for 210 years, and if Moshe was 80 when they left, which we know he was, and if Yocheved was born as they came down, that would mean Yocheved was 130 when she gave birth to Moshe. And the Ibn Ezra is bothered by that because it says the tremendous miracle of Sarah having a son at the age of 90, and she had a son at the age of 130, and there's no mention in the text, he doesn't find it too compelling. Uh, take a look in the Midrash again, source 7. God is number 70. Interesting. All right. Hushim ben Dan, somehow, who is the one son of Dan in that whole count, is, um, is the number 70. A little hard to understand how, if he's listed there, how he could also count as number 70. And then we find an interesting comment, There are a, a few comments in Chazal that list Rabbi Meir's uh, version of the Sefer Torah and Rabbi Meir's version of others, including Shayahu. It says not uvnei dan chushim, but uven dan chushim. But that's just for interest. So notice, in this Midrash, we're saying, well, maybe the 66 were all boys, minus Dina, then there's the three, and then number 70 is the girl, Sarach Bat Asher. Or maybe, maybe Dan, uh, Dan San Chushim didn't count as part of the whole thing. There's all sorts of attempts here to try to figure out who number 70 is. But I want to go again back to the issue of the daughters. And I want to start, before we go to our last page, which starts at Source 8, with a general question with which I started this year, which is, who gets listed in the genealogy? 
Is a genealogy exactly that, where you want to have a complete listing of family members? I'm a member of a very large family, a family that numbers in over 10,000. And there are members of the family who are who continue to attempt to keep up-to-date exact records of every member of the family, who they're related to, what the lineage is, when they were born, do they live in Israel or not, etc. Most of them, a lot of this family is centered around Israel, uh, the Rivlin family. Um, and they want to have all of the information. Tanakh doesn't do that. Tanakh is not interested in getting all the names. Tanakh is interested only in listing names that are important and names that have meaning to the, to the story, that are going to play a role later, etc. Now, the sons of Yaakov, that's a no-brainer. They are all Shiftei Ka. They are all the tribes of Hashem. They are all the ones who are going to inherit the territory in Eretz Israel. And their sons are critical names because the Bate Av, the subdivisions of the tribes, are all these names. So when we have the sons of Yehuda, including Peretz and Zerach and Shelah, those are families that we know. Partsi is the family that David comes from. Right? When we have the families of Levi, Gershon, Katum, Ravi, those are critical names throughout, all the way through biblical history. So we understand the significance of those names, but who else gets listed? And the problem, of course, is that either we're going to suppose, again, what's statistically highly unlikely, that there are only two girls, one a daughter and one a granddaughter in this whole family, or that for some reason these two girls got listed and other girls aren't listed. And the family is really much bigger than 70. And for some reason, we're just looking at this select group of 70 for some reason. we got to figure out what that is. And only listing two names of two particular girls who count towards the 70. Let's see what that is. So the Ben Ezra, commenting on Benotav here, says, Who are Benotav? Dina Levada. Benotav is Dina. Well, Dina is a girl, not a girl's. So he says, maybe Dina had some maidservants who grew up with her. And therefore, maybe the text calls them Benot Yaakov because they grew up with Dina. Right? And that's, uh, and, and he gives an example from Bnei Michal in Shmuel Bet, Pamper Chafalif. Right? The Ramban uh, here says Bnot Panav is Serach Bat Asher and Yocheved Bat Levi, quoting Rashi, and he says, "So what are you going to do with Bin Notav? If Bin Notav, you know, it's, he says Rashi's commenting on Bnot Panav. Who are who are Yaakov's granddaughters? So he says, "Oh, there's Serach who's listed and Yocheved who's in the Midrash. Okay, Yocheved listed later. So so he turns to Rashi and says, "So what are you going to do with Bin Notav, the plural? Who are you going to have besides Dina?" He says, it's not so surprising because the Torah will sometimes refer in the plural to children, even if there's only one. And his example is, Dan Chushim. And in the census at the end of Bamidbar, Ubnei Palu Eliav. Bnei, plural, but there's only one name. So even though it says Benotav in the plural, it's one daughter. And even though it says granddaughters, it's really one granddaughter. And 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 um, and uh, and that's the Ramban. However, uh, I want to take a look at two other comments and then bring things together. Shadal, Shmuel David Luzzato, famous Italian commentator of the 19th century. 
uh, oh, con- consistently uh, surveys the comments of the major Rishonim and then will sometimes present his own op- opinion. Sometimes he will also include opinions of more recent commentators uh, from the 19th and 18th centuries uh, uh, and, then, and then present his own. So he quotes the standard opinions that Benotav refers to Dina and Serach, or it could be the daughters-in-law. And then uh, he quotes uh, uh, Grigio uh, and Rosenmiller, who are contemporaries of his, say, Banot acherot noduli Yaakov, who say that Yaakov had other daughters, right? And he mentions it from our parsha, Benotav uvnot banavito. But only Dina was mentioned why, and here we go, here's what we're looking for. Because of the event. What's the event? The rape of Dina. And he says, this is the rule, and this is what we're getting to. Whenever there is a genealogical table, it only mentions the boys, and girls who had some special story happen to them, or they were famous for some other reason. And now Shadal has his own comment. He says, I have no doubt that Yaakov had more daughters and that his sons had more daughters. They weren't counted as part of the 70. Why? Watch this. They married each other. In other words, Ruzvulun had a daughter. That daughter married Shimon, for instance. And so they're subsumed under that household. Yocheved marries in the family of Levi. And the text, after all, told us that we are explicitly not mentioning the wives of Bnei Yaakov. And so the Shadal suggests that maybe Dina never got married. And therefore, she's still with the family. And therefore, she's reckoned separately. And he says, maybe Sarah also wasn't married. And maybe that's why she's listed. But every girl who's married is counted and included with her husband, which means we're not counting people, we're counting households. So there is a large household called Levi. And in Levi, there are three households called Gershon, Kehat, and Merari. And Gershon might include his wife, and it might include some daughters, and it might include some sons. At this point, we're only stopping at that level. And there's 70 households that come down, a whole different take. And now the Nitziv of Naftali Yehuda Berlin, the Rosh Hashim Volazhin, died in the, in the late 19th century, 1892, I think, uh, quotes Rashi also here about who Benotave are, and then um, and then he moves down and says the following <clears throat> in the paragraph. Um, we'll begin, we'll begin at the beginning. Perish Rashi Serach Bar Asher Yechavod Bar Leviv Pele Lomar Shebnei Yaakov Lo Lidu Kulam Rak Tzcharim Lo Nikevod. He says it's it's wondrous to say that they only had boys. The question with which we started, and not girls. But El Nirad the Gam Hema Holidu Harbein Nikevod. We I said it seems that these boys had lots of girls, 
They're not counted as part of the 70. Now remember, the Shadal said the girls are not counted as part of the 70 because they married within the family, so they're subsumed in that household. And he says, it seems like Yaakov had other daughters, as we see that the daughters got up to comfort him. But these girls weren't mentioned because there was nothing special about them that affected the nation. Unlike Dina, who had something happen, which the entire relationship with Shechem and everything else is set forth by the story of Dina. <clears throat> and the the uh, consequences for Shimon and Levi of their actions about Dina. Don't be so surprised. There is a famous Russia, and according to Mayor, that means that Avram had a daughter, which means he had a daughter. We never heard about her. We never heard about her because she doesn't play an important role. He says, Yaakov also had daughters and there's granddaughters and none mentioned because nothing important happened. Not because they're subsumed in the household like Shadal, but that's the rule. All right, and it says, Don't challenge me for the fact that it says that the entire household was 70. There were certainly more than 70 and that we've already demonstrated. And he refers us to that pasuk that we already saw about God dividing the world based on the number of Bnei Israel, 70. The, the, we want to count 70 members of Bnei Yaakov to correspond to the 70 nations of the world, but there's way more than 70 people in Yaakov's family here. These people were mighty, they were powerful people. This is all based on Seder Olam, about how old already was when certain things happened. All right, Dina was only six when she was raped, according to this way of looking at the, at the chronography. So the Tzib says two things. Why are these 70 listed? Because all 70 are remarkable, and all 70 play a critical role in Jewish history, and so therefore the names are mentioned. But there's lots of other people in the family who just don't play a critical role, and the names aren't mentioned because there's no memory of them. And we and the Torah wants to have a 70 to correspond to the 70 nations of the world. And that's where he goes from here. Okay? Um, now, going back to our parasha on the first page of the handout, <clears throat> we see that something of the same thing happens. That we're told, uh, this birth announcement, about Nachor and Milka having kids. What are we told and what are we not told? What we are told is that they, that, uh, they have eight sons together. We're told that Nachor has another four sons with his Pilegesh. Again, the same question, 12 sons and no daughters? Maybe, but not statistically likely. And then we find that Bituel has a daughter. What about his other son? What about the other grandchildren? The answer is they're not listed because they're not important here. So why are these guys important? So if Sandhya already clued us in, this list is important mainly because it sets up Nahor's family as being in parallel to Avraham's family. And there's reasons for that to take us back to one of the earliest shurim we did in the series about Terach and who Terach was. But the point here is that you have this model of the great 
nation of Nahor, eight sons and another four sons of the Pelegesh. That will be replicated with Yaakov, eight sons and four sons, eight with the two wives, four with the two Pelegshim, or Shvachot. And Rivka is mentioned here because Rivka is going to play a critical role. Do I care about Lavan? Not yet. I will later. Do I care about any other kids that they have? No, I don't care. Do I care who Kesed's daughter is? I don't care. So I don't care they're not listed here. Because this list is not, just like every other list in the Torah, is not a comprehensive family tree. It is a listing of important names that either because of the number of people in the family or because of the households who are listed here are going to play a significant role later. And whenever I read a genealogical table, I always see it as foreshadowing looking ahead and seeing which of these names is going to play a role here, how many children are in this family and why that plays a role later, who has a large family and as a result is going to be getting more land in Israel or having more soldiers or play a different role in the war. So what we've done is we have taken a look at this short parasha at the end of, uh, of Parashat Vayera, the birth announcement, and seen that it is not as simple as meets the eye, that there are some nuances here, seen a couple comments of Rishonim, but chiefly have used it as a background to look at a parasha much later in Breshit of a genealogy and made some suggestions as to what may be going on, who gets counted and why in genealogical tables in the Torah. Everybody should have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbat.